and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. And today's episode is a chat with another pet professional about how they've used their expertise to navigate the relationships between their own pets. Our guest today is Jen Shyrock, and I am so excited to have you on this show. Thank you for inviting me. This is very exciting because I am a family pause educator, and we'll get to that in a second, but also like the fact that you have a bunch of species (laughs) and animals in your house is really exciting because it's a little bit like left of the dog and kid stuff that we will, we know and love you for. Absolutely. So Jen is a certified dog behavior consultant and is the proud owner of Family Paws LLC in Cary, North Carolina. And Jen has served as a board member of the International Childbirth Education Education Association and is also a mother of four human children. And Jennifer also has a dual degree in special education and elementary education and enjoyed over 10 years of activity in that field prior to returning to the dog community. So I am excited to chat all about that varied history that you have and lots of experience in different areas. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is my favorite kind of discussion. (laughs) I don't get to talk about the cats much, but it is definitely a passion of mine. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to dive into stories about your own pets and your experience with everyone. But before we do that, let's do a really quick icebreaker so we can all get to know you as a human. So I do this with every guest that I have, and I'm not very good at guessing the lie from the two truths and a lie. So you tell me the three statements, and hopefully I will be able to guess the lie and ready, go. (laughs) Okay. So I am legally blind. I am adopted and I showed horses professionally. Hmm. Professionally. (laughs) That's the question. Showed horses professionally versus like 4A adopted. I'm going to go with that professionally is the, (laughs) is the, the lying part. You're right. I I've never showed horses. Not even, um, not even professionally, not even no. amateurly. I don't know why I did professionally. So that really t- gave it away. I'm not a good liar. <laughs> That's okay. That, that t- indicates a lot of good things about you as a person. So you never showed horses. Have you had horse experience at all? Not really. My daughter does. She is the horse person in our family. I love horses. I don't do well on them, but I love to be around them. I love to be with them. Yeah. I mean, they're animals. I love animals, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's not a multi-species, uh, it's not a species of a multi-species household that we have, that we're going to be yeah. talking about. So let's, fo- let's, let's focus on the cats and dogs because you have, sure. you currently have many. Yes. <clears throat> so tell me <laughs> about the history of your current cast of characters, introduce them a little bit and kind of tell me, <laughs> tell us what's, sure. how, how they all came to be and integrated into your house? So we have three dogs. We have Oliver, who's a Shiloh Shepherd. We have Sadie, who's a Pity. Oliver, we, you know, got from a breeder. He's nine. Sadie is uh, from shelter is, I don't know how old. (laughs) She's 
live forever. And then we have a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel who is four. We have five cats. We have, oh my goodness, Jagger, who was with us from the time she was just days old. She's 14. And then we have Rocky, who also was a foster kitty that we ended up keeping. He is, oh goodness, 2005. Then we have Harrison, who we got two years ago during COVID um, when one of our other cats passed away. Harry, and then we have Zoe and Nora. Have I named them all? Yes. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Okay. And then we have two guinea pigs who are my office buddies. So, and then, you know, we have, yeah. So we, we had a cat that was amazing that passed away about a year ago and she was 19. So she was also one who was part of, you know, fostering and um, came to us as Hissy and I named her Missy. I said, we can't call her Hissy. That's just not right. Ended up being an amazing cat. So yeah, we've had them in our life for quite a while. So the, when you have a lot of animals, there's often kind of like the revolving door of like everyone, you know, they just come in and then yeah. they unfortunately leave. And so what's the integration process in your house where there's like this kind of like core contingent and then someone new comes in? Yeah. Do you have a process? Like what, how does that usually work? I do have a process. It's interesting because when I... So going back to kind of our first German Shepherd, Moose, who I talk about a lot with the Family Paws program, when we brought Moose home, we had two cats. I did not know or was not at all prepared, never really hadn't, you know, cats were still kind of new to me, but having a dog as an adult with kids also, (laughs) integrating him was very eye-opening because I I wasn't Mm. prepared for what was going to be happening and how crazy that got. Um, So he was, that was a big lesson. We ended up, I ended up using my cat. I had my tuxedo cat, Jack became what I, my professional cat scanner for dogs, for shepherds, you know, and what I always did, it was super important to me that the cats felt safe and comfortable and enjoyed the experience you know, in a safe way. So dogs are always on leash and it's gradual always, but it has to be comfortable and safe for everybody. Right. And Mm -hmm. so that's always a priority for me is taking it gradual and same with homecoming when with babies or children or a new dog in the house, gradual comfort, making sure everybody feels good and taking their time, you know? So when we bring in like our two new girls that came in, Zoe and Nora, they spent some time in the bathroom just to get used to the house and and feel. And then they moved to, you know, opened up to a room, but we always make sure that there's vertical places for them to go. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of exercises with the dogs, especially with Oliver, because he gets really, he's big. He's about a hundred pounds. He gets very excited. And when you bring in kittens, you want to keep it calm and go at everybody's pace, right? Mm -hmm. So there's always goodies that dogs and cats enjoy because I want the cats to be able to move and do what they naturally do. And the dog to be able to observe that Mm -hmm. and still not chase pounce or do any of those things. So it takes time and it's very controlled and it takes as long as it takes, right? So Mm -hmm. there's no rush in it, short, sweet sessions. And gradually, you know, all of a sudden you kind of realize, wow, they're really, everybody's kind of doing well. And 
uh, integrating really well. And it does happen, you know, over time. But I always tell people it can take upwards of six months to integrate a cat mm -hmm. um, with dogs. And it really does have to be at everybody's pace. And each cat is going to have different opinions about dogs and each dog. It's amazing the different relationships my animals have. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing. That's probably one of the things I enjoy and I think is the greatest gift of having cats and dogs together mm -hmm. is the dynamics. It just blows me away. They all have very different relationships with each other. So dogs don't go, oh, it's a cat and all cats are the same. Very different opinions. It's really cool. And, and same with the cats. I have a tuxedo cat, Rocky. He hates Sadie. He absolutely, the look of her, he, he screams at her. He's every, she can walk by and he acts like, Oh, Ooh, you're, it's really rude. Like we're like, you're so mean, but he loves Oliver always has and loves Rudy. I don't know what happened with him and Sadie. Mm -hmm. I don't know why she avoids you know is is very respectful of the cats but again you know it's just cool to watch that dynamics jagger hates oliver so we do have like different dynamics that's pretty cool yeah so the fact that they all live together in an integrated way where but some of them are not pleased with some of the other ones ha have you just said you know what like no one's getting hurt and therefore we'll just let them work it out or have you tried to actively change their opinions about each other a little bit of both you know my rule and always we're not no one in the house we're not here to hurt anybody mm -hmm. right so that we need to have respect and boundaries so i'm not going to let a cat taunt a dog and i'm not going to let a dog taunt a cat so we do have those boundaries and we do have routine activities where we all come together. Mm -hmm. My cats are clicker trained. My dogs are clicker trained. So, you know, if I put a platform out, everybody's going to want to get involved. Mm -hmm. You know, those things build that relationship and consistency, I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, nighttime routine is the same every day. Um, and, and they participate, right? But that said... There is a magic to it, I think, also, too, in my recognizing and saying so-and-so doesn't necessarily like so-and-so. Therefore, I'm going to make sure treats happen for that one over here. I'm not going to put them in a situation where they're going to be that much more intense that, you know, we're really careful to decrease that friction. Mm -hmm. And I think that allows for them to have the tolerance and they also naturally give each other space too, you know? So I go out of my way to be careful about that mm -hmm. and to honor their, you know, not every sibling gets along, mm -hmm. you know, you want your space. Like, Jagger would prefer to not have treats in the vicinity of Oliver. Mm -hmm. I get it. It makes her uncomfortable. Therefore, we can work around that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I do think the fact that we pay so close attention to it and we honor that allows them to get along. Yeah. <laughs> and it is it is something we work on. It is something that we pay attention to. Because the other thing is any shift in the dynamics of our animals is often a communication of illness or something else going mm. on, right? So when I see a shift in the animals, that is the biggest information for me that something usually is going on with somebody. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I, I don't know, you know, so I really watch the behavior of everybody. It helps me to know, it keeps a pulse on everything, you know, so it's something I engage with 
all the time. Yeah. So you were talking about, you know, like that it can take a long time to integrate everyone. Yeah. And that short and sweet setups, introductions, training sessions is the way to go. And a lot of people, you know, but otherwise they're completely apart, right? The cat's in a safe area. There's barriers, I'm assuming, right? In the beginning. Yeah. Yep. So how have you done this and maybe have you recommend with clients to like transition from those, like they only see each other for a few minutes a day right. to, okay, they're ready to spend some more time together, heavily supervised, but we're going to take those barriers down at least temporarily. Right. What signs are you looking for with that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, again, I usually have the dogs on leash, you know, so they are, for me, Sadie doesn't really care. So like in our situation with the three dogs, I have one dog that is going to be a chaser, Oliver. He's going to be the one that's going to want to chase. He's going to want to, you know, he's going to be most excited. Mm -hmm. So he's the one who's on leash that I'm having to really focus my time. So when we're doing these training sessions, he's on leash. Sadie doesn't really care. She's not going to chase. She lays on the couch and she's fine. Rudy doesn't care so much either. And the cats don't care. So uh, about them. Oliver is always, you know, our shepherd. He's the rambunctious one. So I wait until the cats are able to walk in the room safely, comfortably by their own choice. Like I might leave the bedroom door open and invite them out Mm -hmm. knowing that I'm sitting there with Oliver. I'm ready with treats and I'm working with Mm -hmm. them. So when that door opens and the cats are invited out, that's training time with Oliver. So when we get to the point that Oliver really doesn't care so much or he's not interested in chasing, we're able to walk around. I'm able to call him back. Those kinds of things on leash, of course. That's when I start dropping the leash. You know, once I have him coming back to me, he's deferring to me versus really focused on the cat and he's responsive and he's giving space and he's not chasing. So It happens over time. So usually it begins with the room, then maybe through a gate with the cat doing their thing. And then, you know, again, leash and then walking around and giving Oliver ability to move and move in different directions, but calling him back, you know, on leash. And then, yeah, it's about how comfortable are the cats Mm -hmm. and how comfortable, you know, how aroused is he Mm -hmm. and what can he do? I mean, it, it doesn't take, for us, it doesn't seem to take as long because I think we've done it so many times. Oliver's welcomed many new cats, but yeah, it's, those are important things. Everybody has to feel safe and comfortable. Yeah. And, and you've got to prevent a chase. That's a big thing. Once that chase starts, it, it's too reinforcing. So we can walk calmly around the cat and we can do these other things, but we're not going to chase and corner. That's not an option. And it's up to me to make sure that's not an option. Right. A lot of people make that mistake where they forget the fact that the dog needs to be able to learn how to move around the cat. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, just teach him a downstay or whatever. No. Right. And I'm like, well, you're missing huge, like real life <laughs> training opportunities. Needs to move. Yeah. Everyone needs to be able, like the, the goal is to be able to have a setup where yes. everyone can move yes. in their own space. Yeah. <laughs> and without triggering, you know, something like dog wanting to take off and chase, I want him to move around. Yeah. So once he's able to, and that's again, he might be tethered to me or I'm holding his leash and we're walking around and 
we're watching what the cat's doing and we're moving, mm -hmm. right? And then we get to the point that maybe then I drop the leash, right. you know, but again, what I'm looking for is his ability to focus back on me mm -hmm. and how intense is he and that kind of thing. And how comfortable does the cat feel? Because I, I respect what they communicate back to mm -hmm. me. You know, if they're scared, then we need to go way back, right? I've had some really bold cats. <laughs> I was going to say, what if the, what if the tables are turned? We have a, we have the cats who are pushy. And yeah. they're not going to take this slow <laughs> approach very well. Well, and you know, we had that. So Harrison, we adopted Harry and Arthur. Arthur is with my daughter at school, but Harry was that cat. He didn't need time. <laughs> he came in and was like, okay. And he had no opinion about Oliver at all. And that was okay because he really was fine. So it was up to us to still work with Oliver because Harrison was like, I don't care. I really, you know, he was really, he was the fastest acclimation. Now his brother took more time. So again, adapting to each individual is really important and going at the comfort level. So even though Harrison didn't yeah. care about Oliver, we still needed to make sure that Oliver wasn't going to mouth him, wasn't going to get overexcited with him. He's still a new cat to Oliver. So we still had that process to go through. And I think that's important too, is to remember that, you know, at the end of the day, you're still dealing with a dog and a cat and you're still, you know, that unfamiliarity can lead to problems. So we want to have yeah. time to build that familiarity so that we increase safety and accidents don't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that's interesting about how there are cats who could yes. actively antagonize a dog in the same way that we think like, oh, you know, the majority of the time it's the dog actively antagonizing the cats. And I would say, yes, the majority of the time the, right. the dog does antagonize the cats and the cat because of their natural, like, I'm both yeah. a predator yeah. and a prey animal. <laughs> right tend to run away or <laughs> yeah. freeze or whatever, right? So they're usually not the one that says, I see right. a dog and I'm going to move forward and put myself in that situation. But it's exactly. not always no. that way. And so those are kind of the, the, the really interesting cases for me because everything flips on its head. Right. You have this kind right. of like general idea. Okay. The dog is the one that I mostly have to control. Although, you know, the cats need some work as well. Yes, they do. And then, but if, you know, hair, if we have a hairy cat, for example, who comes in and he's like, I don't care, then we have to work less with the cats because right. he's not going right. to necessarily run away <laughs> the second he sees Oliver. Have you ever had a cat who, for lack of a better term, acted like a dog? when he saw a dog? Um, not really. I've had lots of cats that say, you know, I'm not impressed by you, big <laughs> dog. And it's amazing. Like even litters that I've raised, amazing mm -hmm. to see how different the kittens from the same litter are, mm -hmm. you know, to see one who is like terrified of dogs and another who's like, Oh, let me rub all over you. Like just, mm -hmm. it's really fascinating. But I, I have not necessarily had a cat who goes out of their way to be, I, I say that, but Rocky does it to Sadie. Mm -hmm. I mean, he goes out of his way to scream at her. You know, if she walks in the room, 
Or if he's sitting on my lap and she comes in, he's like, Rah! you know, he does not, he yells at her. I, we always kind of joke and are like, you're just so rude. Like, yeah. You know, but again, it's, it's important to us that he's not swatting at her when she goes out the dog door. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't want her being taunted either. Right. And some would say, oh, but she's a pity. And, you know, or, oh, Oliver, that doesn't mean they can't get taunted. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think it's funny for any animal to be in a situation where they feel like they're going to be struck or they're going to, you know, fear. It's not, it's not cute. Yeah. I want all the animals to feel comfortable and we do the best that we can to, you know, have that kind of relationship. So how do you react when Rocky uh, makes his displeasure known? I... Yeah, I usually give Sadie a lot of attention because it's, you know, and and I call Sadie over because sometimes if he's sitting on my lap, then I remove him from my lap and I, you know, let Sadie come up. Mm -hmm. But he's a really interesting cat. He tends to have some guarding behavior. He does get over aroused where he um, he is a really interesting cat. If he's overstimulated, he can go into the more for lack of a better word, aggressive, you know, he gets, you definitely, I know laser pointers. He's, he's a cat. You cannot do that with. Mm -hmm. He goes over the top, blown pupils, very aroused, even certain treats that he finds really high value. I have to be careful about the routine because he starts to guard. Mm -hmm. He starts to guard territories and he will guard against the dogs or the cats. Um, Mm -hmm. He can be really, really, rough about that so I usually but if he's just yelling at Sadie we usually just call her over to us and give her love but I I check and make sure he's not hanging outside like the dog door when he goes out we have a a fence system so the cats can go indoor and outdoor the perfect fence and it has worked really well for us it's been it's been a really good addition for our cats call link in the show notes to that for people who are interested. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, a little bit. Um, It's not an option for everyone for various reasons. (laughs) Lots of reasons. But yeah, it's great. We did it because we had a cat, Simon, who absolutely insisted he was going to go outside no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like he was going to escape. So I thought, what am I going to do? Because this cat always wants to dodge the front door. Mm-hmm. Like he's ready and we have kids, right? And I ended up teaching him recall and he was phenomenal at recall. So if he did get out, at least I know, you know, can call him back or whatever. And we did a lot of, a lot of work with that, which was really fun. And he did really well. He also did stationing of going to the tree. Like mm-hmm. if we go to the door, have him go to the tree. Mm-hmm. But he still had this intense desire to dodge the door and I just couldn't risk something happening to him. So we got the perfect fence and I've loved it ever since it it's been, it's been a a good resource for our group of cats. Yeah. I mean, the transition here is how much, right. You, You have four kids, you have a bunch of dogs, you have a bunch of cats, supervision of everyone all at once is impossible. Um, (laughs) So having this management system in place, cats are very quick. If they want out, they're, they're going out. (laughs) So that was, that must've taken a load off your stress level too, to know that. Absolutely. You didn't have to be watching that door all the time. Yeah. They love it. And the mice problem, you know, we have less mouse. (laughs) 
Um, I'm thankful for that. Although they do bring us goodies in the back door, you know, but so, I mean, but it, it has made a big difference and I really enjoy being able to sit in the yard. They, they all sleep in the house at night and they mm-hmm. all come in. So recall is really important to me. I think all cats need a solid recall. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really, really important recall. And I love for all my cats. One of the first things we do is help acclimate them to their carrier is a really positive thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, getting in that, and that was something that we always started with our fosters there, you know? Yeah. So they they see the carrier and they want to get in and they're like, you know, yeah. Do you have the carriers out all the time for like a resting spot? Oh, no, I don't. Um, I bring them out for different activities, like different random times. Mm -hmm. And so that it's kind of, it shows up. And that's cool. We might, you know, go just walk to the porch in the carrier or something and then go outside and, you know, have some fun stuff. But there's always really positive stuff associated with it. Mm -hmm. And depending on the cat, like some love the fish pole where others love mackerel, you know, so making sure that we have the right reinforcement for the cat, you know, so it is like catnip can be reinforcing for some, but Mm -hmm. others don't care. Mm -hmm. So mixing it up so that it's always something fun and exciting for them is, is important. Yeah. And I I would say we have one carrier. They have so many other places. I don't ever see them in, you know, going and hanging out there, but my daughter who has one of our cats that we adopted, she has her carrier out all the time. And he loves it. Yeah. He hangs out in there. Yeah. I mean, there's something, there's mixed, you know, wisdom about this, right? Like if right. the carrier is out all the time, it's not like this big event that a scary thing is about to happen and they know to book it away, you know, like, right. oh God. and if you make it comfortable, they might choose to hang out in there. Yeah. But on the other flip side you can't always reinforce them no because they might go in there on their own you're you're not watching them all the time so when you do it your way then it comes out and something fun happens yep but you're doing that at various times with various types of reinforcers and all that makes sense that they would be excited when it comes out they're not going to say it comes out and now i need to leave Right. (laughs) I see the crate. I need to run away. Mm -hmm. It's more, I see it. Something's going to happen. So even if we close it and move to another room and that's where we're going to have some kind of activity or party or, or new toy or something like that. Yeah. And I usually start out with the kittens like that. Well, um, to move, you know, part of what we do with the kittens when we have them is move them from one room to another for socialization and different sensory stuff. Mm-hmm. And so getting in the carrier actually leads to something really cool. I so, like yep. you know, and we begin with obviously high value stuff in the carrier. So they go in the carrier by choice mm-hmm. and then we build up to in the carrier moving to actually a new place and then letting them out. So I want them to feel comfortable also moving. I don't want them to think, wow, carrier, and now they're closing the door. Oh my God, you know? Yeah, and it's important to do that after, you know, like a vet appointment and things like that too. Mm -hmm. You know, so we do try to keep it regular. Can't always succeed with it. I have one that really is sworn off of it. She's still never been a a fan. (laughs) And, uh, but everybody else is pretty good about it. So- when your kids were growing up with cats and dogs, obviously you <laughs> you specialize with kids and dogs 
stuff. Family pause is very specific for that, at least right now we've talked about (laughs) potentially branching out, but what insight do you have for teaching kids how to appropriately interact with Mm -hmm. the different species so that they understand that there's some general overarching wisdom of how they should act, but there's specific stuff too for a dog versus a cat. There is. I think the biggest thing for me has always been that the kids invite the animals over and allow the animal to choose to move away. Mm -hmm. That's something that I feel like we model and it's so important. You know, it's not just about, okay, I want to cuddle with you now. Mm -hmm. I mean, a cat will hurt you. You know, I learned so much from my cat, Jack. I, one of the things we talk about in family pause is pet, pet pause, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is specifically from my teacher, Jack, (laughs) my tuxedo cat, who I would pet once, twice, and then he'd give a love bite. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I learned like pet, pet, stop, see, Mm -hmm. is he interested or not? Mm -hmm. And, and respect that. And I think that that's really important for kids to know, like the dog's you, you as a kiddo might want to pet and engage with the animal, but it has to be a two-way street. Yeah. You know, and just like you're going to have some boundaries, you know, it's, it's equally important. We respect the animal's boundaries. So I think growing up in that environment is super important. My kids definitely were, were very lucky. I don't, I don't, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, they would constantly wake up and it's like, who's in the bathroom today? Because we would have either new puppies or Mm -hmm. or which is a really fun thing. But, and I do think that they naturally learned with the different temperaments. I don't know. That's, that's one of the biggest things that was important to me was respecting comfort level. And same with, if I have a lot of puppies or kittens I have to understand sensory issues also too with my kiddos that those kittens nails Mm. and their activity and how they want to climb and claw, you know, we've got to look out for those things too, because that can lead to overstimulation and it's painful, Mm -hmm. you know, so setting up everybody, which in our situation, it was always like, okay, if the kids are going to be interacting with the kittens, what activity are we going to do? Mm -hmm. There has to be structure and boundaries around it so that It's not just, hey, I'm going to pick up and handle these guys. What are we going to do? Mm -hmm. So that was really important. You know, we always had kind of goals, you know, goals of some sort. So it wasn't just, we're just going to hold, pick up every kitten every time. I mean, there were times that we did that, but I really tried to have a focus. Yeah. I think, I mean, I was talking to someone who's about to have a baby and she was asking about, she said, I know there's dog and baby stuff there is not I haven't found a cat and baby right do you feel like there's really like obvious things that you can't just translate the dog and baby stuff over to a cat like what what would you say would be like the most important things to like make sure that you've prepped your cat (laughs) for an incoming child cats are they are different in how they adjust I'm thinking back to like my first bringing home my son and our cats. We had eating differences. You know, our cat was very affected by just us being away. Mm -hmm. So we had urination problems Mm -hmm. that any of being on the baby's clothes, things like that. Things that I didn't understand. I didn't know 
even what to do. So I would say those are the most common things that I see and struggle with. I'm sure you see that a lot too. But as far as like supervision and some of the things that people worry about, like the cat crawling up and snuggling with the baby, I never had that problem. My cats were very interested in any of the baby stuff once Mm -hmm. the baby was out of it. right? Right. And I didn't, I didn't have a problem with that. Now, some people do. I, I, I didn't. So my cat really enjoyed the car seat. It was like a kitty recliner and <laughs> I chair. I have so many pictures. But when I left, say, the nursery or something, the cats would come with me, too. You know, mm-hmm. that was always, you know, the rule in our house was no animal in the room. So that was important. But I do think making sure that your cats have plenty of, I mean, enrichment is super important for cats, making mm-hmm. sure that they have their comfortable places to go and rotating, like moving that around a bit. I mean, my cats love a brand new thing, anything brand new. It's so funny to watch them. You know, it's, it's kind of cool. I, <laughs> whether it's a box or it's a new rug or it's just a new cushion, they're like, Ooh, you know, but making sure that cats have plenty of places to be that's comfortable so that they're not wanting to get on the baby's things. If that's, important but yeah the enrichment's really important i think we forget about that sometimes with cats and and that yeah. is really important yeah. because it's a stress reliever it's a connection it's 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 something natural they need to do and that's what i think is really important for people to remember yeah i i am so empathetic with the parents who have cats yeah. and dogs and kids. I I am one of them. And I never feel like I can provide everything that everyone needs. Um, (laughs) And I know that it's the same thing with, you know, people who just have a cat and a kid or just have a dog and a kid. You're being pulled in so many different directions. And at least what I recommend for people is like, at least like trying to schedule small amounts of time with everyone, including like your partner. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, we always forget about the partner if that if that person is involved anyway but (laughs) it doesn't have to be that much time also or or complex right so for a cat really a new amazon box can be fascinating right you put a little cat Mm -hmm. oil you know or or just something in it you know something in the bathtub to bat around that can be super fun you know Uh, you know, tinfoil mm-hmm. ball or something. I mean, a box, a tissue box. I mean, I'm amazed. <laughs> so I think that's, I tend to really enjoy that stuff. Like, wow, what do we have and what can we make use of, you know? And, and the, you know, as kids get older, you can include them in that, which is really fun, which mm-hmm. then I think creates more aware dog and cat owners, you know, or guardians. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just fun. What do you have around that you can make interesting? Like a bowl with a ping pong ball. Ping pong balls can be great. You know, a bowl with water in a ping pong ball. I mean, just something simple, like a glass tray. I do that a lot with my cats on the back porch. Yeah. They love that. So it doesn't have to be something complex. It just needs to be, you know, something every now and then that you're you're kind of thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it depends on how social your cat is too. So, I mean, there are some cats who are like, I will not leave you. (laughs) Right. I must be near you all the time. So like having that kind of enrichment, that's kind of like off to the side is not going to (laughs) work as much for those cats. And that's probably like, at least for humans, like human babies. Yeah. I mean, I know, like, as a parent, you can get touched out, like, so easily with just having a human baby. And then you have, like, other animals who are, like, you know, the dog is needing attention and the cat is needing attention. And, like, that can just be so, so overwhelming. I don't have an answer. (laughs) I wish I did. Um, Like, like a, a magic wand that says, like, okay, well, then, you know, you tell the cat to go over there. And then, like, 30 minutes later, you rotate for what it's it. But it's just having awareness of, like you know your animals and their tendencies and like what they need from you yep. at a baseline and then understanding like they won't be able to get all the things that they need all the time like they did before right what can we prioritize that makes the most sense that's right what can we outsource that's, that's a big too. one that's harder with the yeah. cats i think um, i was yeah i was going to say you can't like have a dog walk a cat walker yep come in <laughs> and I, I have one of those um, Velcro cats that is, I don't want to say too affectionate, but she can be, right? It can be mm-hmm. way too much, way too much. And, you know, sometimes I, I do need to just close her out of the room because I can't, mm-hmm. I can't, you know, it's too much. I can't have her on me at that time. But there are other times it's fine. But again, having other places and thinking about, I, th- I think, different kinds of enrichment because cats are very picky about, I think, about what they like to do and what they will play with and what they won't. And so Mm -hmm. figuring it out, like what is the thing that gets them excited or makes them, you know, do they want to look, you know, one of my cats loves to find treats like in the dog toy bin. (laughs) We found that out by mistake because she started hunting for one of her catnip toys And so, you know, we just started to follow her lead. And I think that's an important thing is each animal enrichment is going to look very different to them. And so Mm -hmm. following kind of what they naturally gravitate towards and then just thinking creative, you know, how you can make that interesting for them. You know, she likes to dig underneath things, which is cool. Mm -hmm. My other cats don't really do that, but she's, she loves to seek and find things. Um, they're all a little different. And so finding yeah. different creative ways. Yeah. Lots of different options. Yeah. One thing that I think a lot of parents of humans and animals mm-hmm. forget is that like, there is a village, not just for them and their humans, but also for their animals. So like, even if you can't have a cat, walker come in right if you're like i don't have enough creative energy to figure out what the heck to do with my cat right Right. like go seeking out advice from either professionals or just like someone else who knows your cat and is not in the throes of like sleep deprivation or just like overwhelm can be super helpful and (laughs) you don't have to like put it all on yourself to figure out what the best thing to do would be. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And I can tell you that whenever I've had puppies or I've felt like I wasn't meeting the need, 
talking with someone else outside of my own house was always Mm -hmm. super helpful and continue continues to be um, because when you're in it, you just really can't always think about those things, you know, and that's okay. But I do, there are so many resources, which I think is, is really, really, it's, it's great enrichment. You know, that's where I do like social media. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I can see something and say, oh, that's a great idea. And that might change my mood for the day because I feel like I can do something extra for my, my cat or my dog, you know? Um, And so being open to those things and looking for those, and I'm sure you put resources on here as well for people because that is helpful. Yeah, I will. I'll link to some of like my favorite Instagram um, handles for cat stuff specifically because i mean i'll do i'll you know what i'll do some dog stuff too i'll just i'll be equal put it all out there (laughs) i was like should i do enrichment for babies too no okay that's (laughs) i think they have yeah there's plenty yeah that's that's plenty yes the thing that i love and hate about social media is like the fact that there are cute cat videos abound right and sometimes those cat videos are not actually cute no Some of them are great. And you're like, wow, that again, yeah, it gives me a a wonderful idea for like, I can have my, I wouldn't have never thought to put up, you know, a bunch of ping pong balls in a baby pool and (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. And, but then there's what really tends to not go well. And this is the same thing with kids and dogs and the internet videos all the time is like, no one understands the body language or they don't care. That's the word. That's the, or they don't care. Or they don't care. So that's where like, okay, we can educate people as much as possible of like how to see stress signals and to mitigate whatever issues are happening, step in. But unfortunately, it's still like there is that second layer of like, yeah, I either don't have enough energy to deal with it all. I understand that much more than right. I'm not going to prioritize my animals yeah. or I might... I don't, I'm going to put them in situations where it's just like, they need to be able to handle it. So. Right. Right. Or I see a lot of um, social media things, obviously taunting the cat or dog and finding it funny, which, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not funny. Uh, Right. You know, and it often leads to behavioral issues and challenges that people don't appreciate, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's really hard for me to watch. Yeah. So yeah, stick to the enrichment, <laughs> the positive. <laughs> make it make it positive rather than you know yeah. And whatever you're modeling for your kids yes. do is really important, right? So like if you're pulling out your phone and like ugh, there's this new one where it's like how many times can I like poke my cat before they oh. get mad or something? And I'm just like, no, if your kid sees you doing that trend, like with your phone out and like, you know, putting it to music and giggling or whatever, like they're going to think it's okay to poke the cat too. Yeah. Even if you tell them don't poke the cat, like they're like, I just saw you poking the cat, man. Like, what? yeah, no, it, it is. It's easy to think it's cute in the moment, but the after effects of it and, and what does that do to the relationship? I think I'm always looking, does this strengthen or weaken a relationship? Mm -hmm. You know, is this building it or is this ruining it? You know, Mm -hmm. and especially when there's children in the home, that's critical. It's critical because, you know, something that you might've thought was cute sometimes uh, has lasting effects. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah. Is there anything else cat, dog, kid related that we haven't talked about that you want Mm. to make sure that we address for those, these wonderful listeners that have stayed with us? Yeah, I would say that, you know, really being creative. I love involving kids in the enrichment and things, you know, setting up activities, having them create things as well. So, um, you know, that's something that I begin as early as we can, like toddlers, I use, you know, um, you know, for the, on the dog side, like using paintbrushes and diluting like peanut butter or cream cheese and painting like muffin tins, the flipping it upside down and letting a kid paint that and then stick kibble in it and freeze it, things like that. Um, cat, you know, creating any kind of toys. I mean, I love looking at the recycle bin and thinking, okay, what can we use from this? Um, that might be interesting for the cat or the dog. Um, you know, but involving the kids too. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we forget, you know, to do that. So if you can, the more that everybody can be involved, the more fun it is for everybody, you know? Yeah, definitely. And then it, it entertains and enriches everybody, which I think is good. So I think that's an important thing. And just remember respecting everybody's comfort level, whether, you know, the child's comfort level, that's an important thing too. You know, not all kids want to be handling kittens or, you know, having dogs lick them and these things. It's so important just to respect all parties involved. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going through that in my house actually right now. So my, my son does not enjoy being kissed by my dog and he screams, (laughs) which makes the dog freak out. Yeah. And another thing that's happening is like my daughter does want, she's almost six. She wants to get involved in like, you know, doing flirt pull with the dog and he's old. So he doesn't really want to do flirt pull, but she thinks it's hilarious. So I'm like, well, we're really like not going to do that. So, you know, and then she gets upset because her efforts are not like being reciprocated. Right. So the animal is allowed to say no. And I always say, you know, like they don't want to play right now. But she's like, but I made this special thing right. for him. How dare he not appreciate, right? Like in the kid's mind, it's like a like right. rebuke of right. their effort. Yeah. So I guess it's, I mean, part of what I'm trying to do now is to really say like, he'll play with it later, right? right. Or like, we can try again another time. Or, you know, maybe he's tired. Or, right. you know, remember, he's old. He doesn't really like playing that much. Like, yeah, that's, whatever. That's, that's hard, <laughs> right. But yeah, so there's, you have to, you have to know your animals, you have to know your kids, you have to know how resilient uh, both of them, both sides of the interaction are. My animals are much more resilient than my, than my kids. Yeah. Yeah. How old's your son again? (laughs) He is three and a half almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's difficult. Yeah. Yeah, It definitely is challenging. Mine are, yeah, I I can't even believe it. I mean, I, I look back. So my youngest is 12 and then 21 and then 24 and 26. So well, somehow we made it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and the 12 year old is very, she's definitely able to be full responsibility for yeah the animals. And it's, she's not a storks or a. She's not a t- toddler, but. You know, that's, that's an important thing too. I always say, um, you know, teenagers and toddlers are very similar. And so like when she has friends over, you know, those social media things are still 
pressure. You know, it's, it's a constant thing that I have to stay on top of because mm. that, you know, those trends tend to put a lot of pressure in general. So, mm. you know, there's, it, it's a different level of supervision. Mm-hmm. I still do keep my dogs with me. I don't have them with when she's having a sleepover play date, you know, unless, yeah. I mean, because not every child understands the boundaries with the dogs. Yeah. That's a know? good point. So it is still something, you know, and, and my shepherd, my daughter was in the kitchen with one of her friends and they were kind of joking around and kind of, you know, doing something. And Oliver was like very unsettled because they're mm-hmm. goofing off. Right. So mm-hmm. there's still different things that you have to watch and supervise. Yeah. I mean, I remember my son having his friends over and, uh, <laughs> I came downstairs. I Oliver was downstairs and one of his friends was laying on the floor and his other friend was dangling a dog toy over the kid's face. And Oliver is a big boy who loves to get his dog toy. These were like 16 year olds. So, you know, kids, kids kind of stay kids. They keep goofing off. Yeah. Uh, you know, they do the darndest things. They those kids. do the darndest things. And, you know, I'm thinking, uh, really? but again i look at it as it's my job to make sure that our dog is advocated for and safe and it doesn't matter you know age if something were to happen that's still our responsibility and would fall on the dog so so it never really stops i think it's just a matter of you know i always say babies grow dogs age adjust at every stage and it's so Mm -hmm. true (laughs) Yes, even even when you would expect that they would have good judgment, oh. they they prove you wrong every time. <laughs> Be different, yeah, yep. So, but it can work, and it's so great, and I I wouldn't trade it. I love my multi species household. I love the integration of animals, and I love seeing the relationships how they evolve over time. Even the, the little squabbles and stuff. It's just, it's cool because it's, it's so individual and different. And I love that. It's so intentional yeah. and I, I, it's just cool. The dynamics is cool. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that I love doing, yeah. doing this. There's patterns, yeah. you know, a, a lot of cases or, you know, clients will come to me and I say, oh, that kind of fits in like this general bucket. Right. But each, <laughs> everything is different. There's each, you know, when you have multiple animals working on multiple things, it's always going to be. Uh, lots of variables yes. to, to puzzle out. So thank you, Jen, so much well, for coming you. on the podcast. I know that everyone who's listening is going to get so much out of it. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you yeah. and or get resources of some of the stuff we talked about, besides for what I'm going to sure. link in the show notes, how would people get in touch with you? They can uh, visit familypause.com or they can just email me at jen at familypause.com. Yep. Easy peasy. And that will all be linked in the show notes. So it's just a click away for all of you to get in touch with a wonderful person who knows exactly what she's talking about with dogs and kids. And she's got lots of experience. This episode helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your cats and dogs and kids. Please subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes. And I would 
really appreciate if you would take a few minutes to review and rate the podcast because I need the positive reinforcement, but also because it helps other people find the show and get access to cat and dog specific content. You can follow me on Instagram, our social media love-hate relationship at Pets, And please send me a DM because I would love to hear your suggestions for which pet professional you would like me to interview next. And that is all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. And I will see you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. Thank you.